be angry, and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, made me dwell in safety. Um, let it, God add a blessing to his word. For some of you, you don't know that we have been going through the uh, sermon series prayer, and we've been asking the question, what prayer, what difference does it make? Um, this is the 11th sermon. But Psalms 4 is considered as a morning psalm. I'm sorry, it's considered as an evening psalm. This is an evening psalm because in verse 8, David said, In peace I will both lie down and sleep. A person normally naps or sleep during the evening. We need an evening psalm to remind us of the troubles we will face during the day. And it's during the day that we face emotional and mental stress. We face anxiety during the day. All of this causes us to lose A good night rest. We know this to be true. Many of you, including myself, have uh, myself experienced sleepless nights. Maybe you're having sleepless nights because of relational problems with a family member, a person you love. Maybe is over financial issues. I'm aware that someone is about to lose their job. It may not be relational or financial. It may be spiritual. That you know a person who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Therefore, you have no assurance of their salvation. Since Psalms 4 is an evening psalm, Psalms 3 and Psalms 5 are morning psalms. Take take notice of Psalms 3 and Psalms 5. In Psalms 3, verse 5, David said, I lay down and slept. I woke again for the Lord sustained me. In Psalms 5, verse 3, David said, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. 
So Psalm 3 portrays David waking up in the morning praying to the Lord. Psalms 4 shows David praying to the Lord before he goes to sleep. Psalms 5 shows that David prays to the Lord again in the morning. David is modeling a pattern. He's showing us his prayer life. That is, David meditated upon the Lord in the morning and evening. Does your prayer life reflect the same? Do you wake up in the morning to pray? Do you pray before you go to bed? Are you praying to the Lord in general? One thing I want you to be aware of is that Psalms 4 was relevant to David. It was relevant to David and the people of his day, and it is still relevant to, the, to us in our day. One thing that Psalms 4 proves is this, that only God can give us satisfying and long-lasting peace. Only God can give us satisfying and long-lasting peace. If you take notice of the structure of Psalms 4 just by looking at the verses, you would know that David is having a three-way conversation. Psalms 4 Verse 1 is David speaking to himself. Psalms 4, verses 2 through 6, is David speaking to men. And Psalms 4, verses 7 and 8, is David speaking to God. Excuse me. Psalms 4, verse 1, is David speaking to God. And Psalms 4, verses 2 through 6, is David speaking to men. And Psalms 4, verses 7 through 6, David speaking to God again. So I had to correct myself. (laughs) But that is the structure that we see in Psalms chapter 4. Look at verse 1. David said, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. David's appeal to God is an act of earnestness. His prayer to God was not in a nonchalant manner. It was intense. The intensity of of David's prayer is clear. That he asked God twice to answer his prayer. I can envision David groveling before God. So that God will listen to his prayer. 
David said, answer me when I call. Hear my prayer. David understood the urgency of his prayer. He wanted the assurance of knowing that God was listening to him when he prayed. Have you ever pleaded to God until you were assured he was listening to you? When your heart is heavy, are you pleading to the Lord? Who do you turn to when your heart is in distress like David? It shows us that David's heart was burdened. It was burdened by the circumstances. But we see in verse 1, the reason why David petitioned God is because of his heart. His circumstances weighed heavy upon his heart. In Hebrew, the word for distress means to be pent up or restricted. David felt that he was trapped in his circumstances, trapped in a corner, and there was no way of escaping. Can you see why David said, answer me when I call? Hear my prayer? Not only he said that, but look at verse 1 again. David said, O God of my righteousness, you have given me relief when I was in distress. What is David saying? He is saying he was not delivered from his circumstances by his own merits, by his own strength. His deeds has nothing to do with his deliverance. He was not delivered by his own righteousness. My righteousness means God has justified David's actions. God is the justifier of David. God has vindicated David of wrongdoings and has given him relief from his circumstances. And I like when I going over this study and preparing for it, I like how David used the play on words in the Hebrew. I mean, distress means... Uh, being restricted, but given relief means having open space, being freed. It's just a play on words that David is using. 
He has space now. He can roam around. God has given him space to breathe. God had relieved the tension that was upon his heart. I'm sure all of us can relate to this. When you're in distress, everything feels like it is compressing upon your mind and upon your heart. And when that distress is relieved, you feel as if you're at ease now. You can breathe. You can think. This is what David is saying. I can breathe now. Allow me to explain it in other words. Whenever you're in a situation that caused you grief or someone caused you turmoil, the only way you are justified is not by your own merits or deeds, but by God himself. That's the only way that you're going to be justified and vindicated. Your good deeds are useless and unless you are being faithful and obedient to the Lord. You think your circumstances is, you know, let me put it this way. Your circumstances could have been by, could have been caused by your own uh, self. You know, you have probably started it. But think about it. Either, either if you are right or wrong, your vindication is not, it doesn't come from yourself. It comes from God. You're not going to justify yourself. I guess we bring things upon our own self. David, David's posture towards God display humility. He humbled himself before his God. He asked God to be gracious to him. Be merciful to me, Lord. Show grace upon me. He is asking God to, to, to hear him in his prayers. Being merciful has nothing to do with you? Absolutely nothing. Being merciful has everything to do with the one who is being, who is showing mercy. It is not because of who you are or what you do. So when you are appealing to God, when you are appealing to God and asking him to show grace and be merciful to you, it's not because of your merits or your own righteousness. 
is because of who the giver is, the, the merciful one is. So we talked about David's prayer in verses, uh, Psalms 4, verse 1. What about David's admonition towards others? David admonishes others. Psalms 4, verses 2 through 6. You know, this is David speaking to other men. Uh, Psalms, if you, and I, if you, uh, Psalms 3, I want you to pay attention to that because I think they're both connected. Psalms 3 is a passage about Absalom and David. As you can see in the title heading of Psalms 3, it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. Many of you know that David's son, Absalom, tried to uh, murder and dethrone David. So I believe the historical context of Psalms 3 is the same for Psalms 4. And it is fitting to know because there, it seems that there are only two ways of viewing this. Like, for example, you can either view this as a public worship where David is speaking to men, or you can view this as men speaking to, uh, David is speaking to his enemies. But let's take the latter view. It's not hard to envision what we see in Psalms 4, verse 2. Psalms 4, 4 verse 2 says, O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lives? To illustrate what David is saying, turn to Second Samuel chapter 16, verse 5 through 12. This story is about David fleeing from his son Absalom. He came across a Benjamite, and the Benjamites start cursing him. Turn to Second Samuel chapter 16, verse 5. It reads as follows. When the king David came to Baharim, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shemai, the son of Gerar. And as he came, he cursed continually. And he threw stones at David. And then all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And Shemin said, as he cursed, get out, get out, you man of blood, you worthless man. The Lord has avenged on you all the blood of the house of Saul. And whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has given the kingdom into the hand of your son, Absalom. See, your evil is on you, for you are a man of blood. 
Let's continue to read. Then Abishia, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you son of Zariah? If he is cursing because the Lord has said to him, Curse David, who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my own son seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to. Now turn back to Psalms 4, verse 2. We see this behavior. We, we kind of understand the context now. That David was running away from his son. He came across this Benjamite. Now this Benjamite is cursing him. And this is why David questioned him. Because men were questioning David's integrity. Questioning his motives. David said, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? So as apparently other people received word that David was fleeing for his life. And when that occurred, people started to believe what was being done to David was true. I know some of you have the NIV translation, so the latter part of verse 2 may read as follows. How long will you love vain words and seek false gods? The reason why I think they rendered the text that way is because the lies has become an idol to them. It becomes so delusional to them that they started to believe in it. How long will you seek after lies? How long will you seek after false God? How long will you be delusional? These things, these lies have become your God. Men were questioning David's integrity. They were dishonoring him and believed that David was an evil man. They disregarded the fact that God appointed David to be king. David was God's anointed king. King over Israel. Perhaps men treated David with discontent. Because as we have read, they believe that God was punishing him for what he did with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah. And that is true to a certain extent. They probably thought their actions against David was right. As if they were saying, David, you deserve what was coming to you. But beloved, let us be cautious 
to not speak so pretentiously. Let us be cautious not to speak so pretentiously. Let us be careful when we speak about someone else's life. Because this is what we see here in verse 2. Let us take heed to David's words so that we do not act in the same manner. This behavior happens today. Despite whatever someone is going through, we have no right to speak about their lives in a manner that we cannot be the perfect judge. How many stories have you heard about church people or people who attend church speaking about somebody else's life? Speaking lies about a pastor or an elder or a fellow brother or sister in the church. Many of you probably work in an environment at at your job where you hear someone speaking about somebody else's life and they have no clue of what's going on. I remember when I was a correctional officer, people tried to smear my reputation. They said Travis was cursing, and not once at that job I, I, I cuss at someone. But it amazes me that someone would actually say that. Your, our posture towards other people who speak lies should be the same as it was for David. David kept questioning his foes, how long, how long? Because David knew that God was his vindicator, that that God was the right judge. And this is why we see in verse 3 that David said, but now, but now, but now that the Lord has set apart the godly. Do you see the separation here? That God is not only his justifier and vindicated David, but he has separated the godly. He is separating the, the godly from the wicked. He is the right judge the Lord is who can make right judgment David is saying in verse 3 know that God is the mediator between the godly and the wicked you know and I'm I'm glad the way that David described verse uh, described the godly because it's just an adjective He's not just saying to himself that he is the only one that is godly. He is including everyone else. It is inclusive statement in verse 3. The Lord not only set apart the godly 
for himself. But David said, the Lord hears when I call to him. The Lord, the Lord hear me when I, when I call. You see the tone in David's voice. You know, a better way of understanding this is Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29, which says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. What about you? When someone is speaking about you, are you trusting in the Lord? Do you believe that the Lord is hearing you, that he has set you apart? When you are being persecuted or when, or when someone is speaking about you, child of God, And I want to encourage you. The Lord is for you. He has set you apart for himself. So after all the lies and after all the smearing of David's reputation, he admonishes them. And we see the admonishment in verse 4. He says, be angry. Be angry and do not sin. He's saying tremble. The actually the, the correct rendering is fear the Lord. Have fear and do not sin. So it's a conditional sentence. It is okay for you to be upset. I understand. But the warning is, do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your bed. But don't sin. Instead of speaking lies, instead of, instead of smearing my reputation, be upset about it, but don't sin. This is what David's saying. David has provided his enemies another option from their current plan, which is repentance. Repenting is an acknowledgement of your sin, your wrongdoing, that which you have done against others and God. And turning away from your sin by doing what is right according to God's commands. You are to repent of all your evil deeds and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And contemplate. David said, ponder. Before you speak, before you react, contemplate. Meditate on what you're about to do. In fact, wait a day. Go to sleep and wake up tomorrow and see if you're going to do the same thing. 
I know Paul said in Ephesians, be angry and do not sin and do not let the wrath, do not let your anger, I mean, do not let the sun go down on your anger. As you, you know, as a child, there was plenty of times that I wanted to say something to my mother of what I thought of her and, and her actions. Plenty of times. But there was one thing that restrained me from talking back to her. It was fear. I feared my mother. <laughs> I knew she would have slapped me down if I would have talked that to her. And this is exactly what David is saying to his enemies. Tremble. Have fear of the Lord. Do not sin. He is saying, do not sin. Think and shut up. Be silent. Tremble before you speak. This is, psalms, all the psalms are, were meant to, to worship. There are praising psalms. There are worshiping psalms. They, they meant to be sung, you know. And this is nothing but public worship that David is doing all throughout the Psalms. They're playing the instruments. But if you notice in Psalms 4, there's three selahs between the verses. Actually, I don't, we scholars don't know what it actually means, but we guess that there are breaks between the stanzas, between the, son, uh, the, 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 the verses of the songs. And what we believe it means to be silent. It's a pause. It's, it's, it's as if Vic got up here and started singing, and then he paused for a second. And I think this plays well in what we see in verse 3. It said, ponder on your own hearts, your beds, in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent, Selah. Pause. Pause for a second. You know, we not only see David is telling them to fear the Lord before they speak, but in verses 5 through 6, David tells them to offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who will say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. What is the meaning of offering right sacrifices to the Lord? What is the meaning? You know, David's son, Absalom, before he tried to murder and dethrone his uh, father, he set up a conspiracy. He asked his father, please allow me to leave 
Judah to go to another town that I may offer sacrifices to the Lord. But that was a decor. He conspired against his dad. And his dad released him. Then he went on to the temple, I mean to the tabernacle and offered sacrifices. But it wasn't for that. In 2 Samuel chapter 15, verse 11 through 12, it says, And with Absalom, with, uh, with Absalom went 200 men from Jerusalem who were invited guests, and they went in their innocence and knew nothing of the conspiracy. And while Absalom was offering the sacrifices, he sent Atithophel, the Gilanite, David's counselor from the city of Gaul, and the conspiracy grew strong, and the people with Absalom kept increasing. Do you see the picture in that? Do you see the motives behind Absalom? Absalom was acting, well, he acted hypocritically. He appeared to others as a righteous person who offered sacrifices to the Lord. He used religion to deceive others so that he can plot against David. You know, people do the the same thing today, right? They act so hypocritically. They use the mask of religion. People believe their religious ways can make them right with God. But they are not taken into account. Their their goodness is nothing but filthy rats to God. Scripture says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands, no one seek God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Psalms 4 verse 5 is speaking about, it's not just speaking about religious people of what they believe to be true. It is speaking about a person's heart. This is why David said, offer right sacrifices. Offer right sacrifices. For example, in Psalms 51, verse 16 through 17, David said, for you will not delight and sacrifice or you would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. So offering right sacrifices is not an act of performance. It is not appealing to God with your good deeds. It is, it is welling over your sins. 
and having a humble heart. It is feeling remorseful. It is placing your trust in the Lord. As I have stated, our deeds are nothing but filthy rags in the sight of God. God looks at our looks at our heart, not what we do. And this is why David has offered his enemies to repent. David is saying, "If you repent of your evil deeds, if you humble yourself." And trust in the Lord, his face will shine upon you. You too will have the favor of God. This is what he said. Put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. So, the third point, David prays to God for peace. In the beginning I said one thing that Psalms 4 proves is that only God can give us Satisfying and long-lasting peace. So verse 1 is David appealing to God. Verses 4, 2 through 6 is David speaking to men. And again, David is speaking to God in verses uh, 7 through 8. And this in 7 through 8 is David is praying for peace. Despite whatever provoked David to write this psalm, he still prayed for peace. Despite his enemies, he prayed for peace. Despite the lies that people was telling or was sharing about him, he prayed for peace. This is important, beloved. This is crucial. For our Christian walk. In verse 1, David said, You have given me relief of my distress. And this is the reason why. Look at verse 7. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their green and wine abound. Do you understand what David is saying? He is saying, despite the grain, despite the wine, despite the success, despite the material wealth, despite all that I have, it is the Lord who has given me joy. This is what he's saying. Nothing. We can compare this to people's lives today. 
Because nothing in this world would give you peace. Nothing. If it's not Christ. Do not be deceived. And do not deceive yourself to believe being successful brings peace and joy. That's a false lie. It's false. If you are not a believer, if you do not have Christ as your Lord and Savior, believe me when I say this, you would never in this lifetime or the next lifetime have peace. In fact, if you believe that this world brings joy and peace, if you are satisfied with this world, you are an enemy to God. This is what James 4 verse 4 says. James 4, verse 4 says, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is an enmity with God, therefore? Friendship with the world is an enmity with God. This is a comparison between those who believe that this world will bring them long-lasting joy and peace. You know, I had a family crisis recently. In my heart last Thursday, and some of you are aware of it, And my heart was in distress. I couldn't sleep that night or the next night. I couldn't go to sleep. My heart was in turmoil over what possibly could have happened. And I admit, I did not turn to the Lord in that night. I turned to other things like watching movies, trying to suppress what I actually felt. I did not take heed to David's words when he said that you have put more joy in my heart than anything else. I couldn't say that night what David said, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. One reason, because of this, to encourage myself and to encourage others. If your heart is in distress, if you have a family crisis, whatever it is, 
Whatever you thinking, however you feel, it doesn't matter. I think the answer to this is, in, is found in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Trust in the Lord. So I think when David said, after the distress that he went through. And the turmoil after the lies and people smear his reputation. He came to a resolve. Came to a resolution. And he said, in peace, both I will lie down and sleep. Lie down and sleep, and for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So despite for David as he was running from his enemies, running from his own son, running from his uh, people who was in line with his son's plans, he lay down. Despite the distress, he went to sleep. He didn't lose any sleep that night. And I encourage us not to to be mindful of what David is saying. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. I do ask you that you would impress upon the hearts that that is present here to be mindful that you alone and only you give us peace. Give us peace in our souls. You give us peace in our minds. You give us peace as long as we take heed and trust in you that you would take care of everything. And I pray that we will be mindful of what the, what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, Christ is our peace. And I pray that this would be true for us in our Christian walk. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.